Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. So for a long time, let's say from 1970 until 2010, the defining issue in Quebec politics was independence versus staying within Canada. That's Eric Andrew G., the Globe and Mail's Quebec correspondent. A by-election in Quebec this past Monday ended in defeat for the Parti Québécois, or the PQ. It's the party that's been leading the charge for Quebec separatism for the last 50 years. But that doesn't mean that the issue of separatism is dead in Quebec. If the right issue came along, most observers believe the independence movement could rev back up again. Today on The Decibel, Eric joins us to talk about the implications of the PQ's decline. Eric, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we wouldn't usually be talking about one provincial by-election on this show, but, but this one seems different, Eric. Why should people outside of Quebec care about what happened in this riding? So there's two reasons. I mean, this is the kickoff for the provincial election campaign in many ways. There's going to be a general provincial election in October. So it's being seen as a bellwether for where various parties stand and a barometer in particular of of two of them. On the one hand, you have the governing Coalition Avenir Québec, François Legault's party, He's riding really high in the polls and he's got double the support of the next closest party and leader. Mm. And sure enough, in this by-election, the CAC won an upset. They were running neck and neck with the Parti Québécois, which in Longueuil, the riding's called Marie-Victorin. It's a real stronghold of the PQ. Voted strongly in favor of independence in the 1995 referendum. It's a hotbed of sovereignism. And... Ahead of this election, a lot of people were saying they've got to hold on to this or it's very possible that they'll just begin to disintegrate. And so that's really the rub. We knew the CAC was riding high. We've also known for a while that the Parti Québécois has been in decline. I mean, this is the party of René Lévesque and Lucien Bouchard, the party that took us into two independence referendums and very nearly won one of them. It's one of the most significant political parties in Canadian history. And where does... Where does the Coalition Avenir Québec fit into this? So François Legault created the Coalition Avenir Québec, and he wasn't the first party to try and do this, to sort of rally nationalists, the majority of Quebecers who feel that Quebec is a nation, it's distinct and has its own values that should be protected within this big Anglophone sea of Canada and North America. So it's a nationalist party that's not in favor of independence. It wants to defend Quebec as a nation within Canada. So this is a really interesting contrast. So we've got CAC on one side that is wanting that kind of independence, but basically saying within Canada. And PQ, which is actually basically more for the actual sovereign independence, kind of away from from Canada then. Why don't Quebecers want to leave Canada as much as they used to? It's interesting. It's not really that they want it less. In fact, I was talking yesterday to Jean-Marc Leger, probably most respected pollster in Quebec, and 35% of Quebecers are still sovereignists. And if the right issue came along, most observers believe 
the independence movement could rev back up again. But 35% is kind of the simmering point of the sovereignty movement. It can boil up and simmer down, but uh, 35% is kind of the mean. And so it's more a question of salience. Uh, the desire is still there, but it's just not seen as a burning priority. Mm. And that's partly because they've lost two referendums. They're enormously disruptive economically. They create huge economic uncertainty referendums. It's big problems for investment. You saw that mass exodus of English speakers and and capital in the aftermath of both referendums. And um, there's just a feeling that we can preserve our distinctness within Canada for now. Mm-hmm. And to live here is to recognize that in many ways, Quebecers can. It's a very, very distinct place. Mm-hmm. And uh, many days feels like its own country. I want to ask you just about a couple of, of terms here, Eric, because we've been using sovereignty, uh, mm-hmm. separatism, and then also independence. But maybe can you tease apart those a little bit? Like, how are they different? Yeah, it's sort of semantic. To say someone is a sovereignist is to say that they want Quebec to be a sovereign country. They want independence. In French, supporters of the PQ, for example, tend to call themselves indépendantistes, independentists, which does not translate beautifully into English. Separatist is pretty much an English word that's that, that's really never used, even in translated form, in Francophone Quebec. They prefer the concept of We want independence. It's not about separating Canada. It's not about breaking Canada apart. It's about us. It's about our desire for independence. So many English Canadians outside of Quebec and within Quebec see the project as one of separatism. So it's sort of a question of perspective. But all these terms mean the same thing. Desire for Quebec to be an independent country like Mexico, like Belgium. Eric, when we talk about Quebec sovereignty, we often come to the Quebec referendum of 1995. I think a lot of people probably under the age of 35 don't remember the 1995 referendum. So can you just mm-hmm. remind us, what was this referendum actually about? Yeah. And for the record, I'm under 35. So this is... <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I did me some reading. Uh, and uh, no, I mean, I remember it, actually. But um It was about Quebec independence. Good evening. For the first time in my mandate as Prime Minister, I have asked to speak directly to Canadians tonight. I want to speak to my fellow Quebecers because, at this moment, the future of our old country is in their hands. Do you really think you and your family will enjoy greater security in a separate Quebec? Do you really want to turn your back on Canada? Does Canada deserve that? Uh, There had been a referendum in 1980 that the no side, the pro-Canada side, won 60-40. Pretty decisive. And in the following 15 years, there were various attempts to reconcile Quebec with Canada, to change the Constitution in various ways to reflect Quebec's distinctness within Canada. They failed for various reasons. By 1995, Quebec was feeling left out in the cold. Canada was not a welcoming home for it. So they called a referendum, and it was very, very, very close. Um, The yes side, the pro-independent side, won 49.5% of of the vote. So 49.5% to 50.5% then, wow. 
That's right. Yeah, it almost it couldn't have been closer. You just you you mentioned that you know living there it does feel like a distinct country sometimes and and I know mm-hmm. Eric you didn't grow up in Quebec you moved there later on mm-hmm. is there anything that you I guess understood better when you moved there that that maybe could help the rest of us outside of Quebec understand what's going on there I think one of the things that has really struck me is just the media ecosystem is completely different which is more significant than it sounds like. It's to say people don't talk about really any of the same things here. <laughs> and it's not entirely true, the war in Ukraine, but Quebecers don't think that much about the rest of Canada. Uh, I think you could say the same thing the other way around, that English Canadians don't think that much about Quebec. And this is probably truer now than it was in 95 and earlier, when there was a bigger Anglophone population in Montreal, there was a strong connection between Quebec and and the rest of Canada in a bunch of ways, partly because the fate of Quebec was such an important political issue and the two sides couldn't stop thinking about each other. It was this sort of intimate, if awkward embrace. Now there's this just really deep drift. It's like sleeping in different beds. It's a marriage of comfort and convenience that is pretty deeply alienated in the day to day. And to read the newspapers, to listen to the radio, to watch TV here. There's a whole constellation of stars and media personalities in Quebec that no one outside of Quebec has ever heard of, right? It is just a really pretty strong cocoon. Let's let's talk about the current state of, of the PQ party again. The the current leader of the PQ, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon, I, can you tell us a little bit about him? Like, is he someone who is well-liked in Quebec? Does he have kind of a similar charisma, maybe, that draws people to the party? He doesn't seem to. He is struggling pretty profoundly right now. And and the PQ has struggled to find a compelling leader for a long time. He, in a recent poll of all the provincial leaders, only 3% of Quebecers said they thought Plamondon would make the best premier. That's about as low as you can get. I mean, it's within the margin of error towards zero. He doesn't have a seat in the National Assembly. He only became leader in 2020. There was some talk of him running in this riding, Marie-Victorin, but the prospect of him losing was too great and would have been too damaging for the party. So they ran someone with local connections instead. And you actually had a chance to meet Plamondon on Monday, the day of the by-election, Eric. Can, can you tell me what he was like? Yeah, he he was uh, full of energy. I was at the party's get at the vote headquarters in Longueuil, and they had brought in lots of reinforcements from across the country, star members of the National Assembly like Pascal Berube, very charismatic and outspoken guy, uh, to knock on doors and so on. And so Plamondon was part of the, that gang. Wasn't expecting to see him, um, but when he found out that uh, I was a reporter from the Globe and Mail, uh, I guess in his mind representing English Canada, uh, of which he's not the biggest fan, he started kind of um, this pantomime of how Globe and Mail readers would react if the PQ won that night. And, And he said, oh, they'll be going, guess who's back, back again. And he was he was rapping the lyrics of an Eminem song. Uh, he started rapping Eminem to you, is what is what you're he saying. He started rapping Eminem, as to, 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 but but in a weird sort of convoluted way to sort of 
say that that English Canadians would have a fit if the PQ won, that it would be the the sort of back from the dead moment of the PQ that would terrify English Canadians. And he seemed to relish this idea. And he, he later sort of went, English Canadians, he, he mimed grabbing his hair and screaming like that they would freak out. And, um, and that was it. Then he went inside to make phone calls and talk to the troops and, and, and decline my interview request. <laughs> um, but it was an interesting telling moment. And unfortunately, his sort of playfulness, I think, uh, was not rewarded uh, at the ballot box that night. Wow. That's a memorable interaction, though. You're not going to forget <laughs> that anytime soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Just, just lastly here, Eric, big picture here. If this trend continues into the October election and, and we see the PQ lose big, could this be the end of the separatist movement in Quebec? Is, is that a possibility here? Not of the separatist movement. But it could be the end of the Parti Québécois. Mm. Probably not this election, but this could be an, another big step in a long decline. As Jean-Marc Léger, the pollster, pointed out, uh, political parties die pretty hard in Quebec. The Union Nationale, which was a political powerhouse through much of the middle of the 20th century, lingered on long, long after its best buy date. And it's possible the PQ could meet the same fate uh, polling fifth behind the upstart Conservative Party of Quebec, which is kind of a fringy anti-COVID measures party. It's just not a healthy place for the party, and it could well be on the road to oblivion. Eric, thank you so much for, for taking the time to walk us through this today. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein produced this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.